Welcome back to episode 35 for the week of April 2nd, 2018. This is the Fantasy Front Office Podcast. Starting off this week, we've got big stories in big 2018 debuts. The DL list keeps growing. And of course, we're going to get talking about our early season trade targets and regrettable players we should have grabbed more shares of. And now, entering your ears, your Fantasy Front Office. And this week in the front office with me are Keith and Todd. We had to put Phil on the DL this week, and he'll be back with us as soon as he's medically cleared. Brilliant debut for one, Shohei Otani. How did you guys like this debut? That was some beautiful pitching aside from one hanging pitch that Matt Chapman just parked in the seats. Good to see him kind of come into his own a little bit here in the first start of the season. I mean, his stock in fantasy baseball went up and down and up and down throughout the offseason. There was so much hype surrounding a player of his caliber that can potentially both hit and then, you know, some of the injury concerns. And you saw his draft stock absolutely plummet towards the last four weeks of peak draft season. So I think if you drafted later in the season and he continues to pitch like this, you definitely got a value. My only concern with him is how many innings will he actually pitch? You know, 130, 140 innings or more? Yeah, and this is a good example of why you shouldn't overhype spring training stats and um, small sample sizes in spring training. He only had two official starts. Um, his stuff looked amazing. He was throwing 99, 100 consistently. His splitter's nasty. Um, throws a curveball a ton, but uh, leaves a couple up. And a lot of them, he did miss high on the curveball, but... Really, really impressive stuff. It's important to remember that he's only 23, and uh, it was really, really fun to watch him pitch. So it's good news for Angel fans and very encouraging start for him as a pitcher. Another hot start today was another pitcher coming over from Japan. He has lit it up with both the arm and the bat. And that is the St. Louis Cardinals' Miles Mikolas blasted a two-run home run today that was a no-doubt shot, 106-mile-an-hour exit velocity. Mikolas gave up three home runs, four earned runs, over five and two-thirds. It kind of got ugly in that last inning or so for him, but before that, he was looking pretty had a nasty curveball, had a couple guys just stand there and watch it, strike him out. An interesting start. I didn't see very much of this, but I did see a few of those curveballs, and he can make hitters look absolutely foolish. Big bending curveball, kind of like Kershaw's curve, where it just, it can move, you know, 16 inches almost and just, you know, start at about the neckline and then come down at about the waist or below. So that thing is pretty nasty. Um, nice little home run, too. I mean, we were kind of expecting maybe the first home run to come off the bat for a pitcher to be Otani, but to see that it's uh, the other Japanese uh, pitcher that came over and from Japan. But yeah, it was pitching over the last three or four years, so showed both sides of, of skill there with both hitting and pitching. Yeah, and today he had trouble with the long ball, gave up three homers at Miller Park. But obviously, not every start is going to be against the Brewers at Miller Park. There'll be better matchups, and his stuff is really, really intriguing. Uh, he's came over from Japan a different pitcher than he was in his first go around MLB. So he's a guy to be 
keep on your radar if you need a pitcher, if you've been um, hurt injury bug, he's definitely a good flyer to pick up. All right, and the other big opening debut that's kind of just caught us all off guard was uh, there for the Twins. Berrios, the first complete game of the year, and looked mighty dominant. And he's got some of the best stuff in baseball. That was never the knock on him coming up through the minors. I mean, his stuff was absolutely nasty, and it was just a matter of, you know, can he put it together? Can he be aggressive enough in the zone? So you, you've heard people like Pedro Martinez absolutely rave about what kind of stuff that he has. Um, and, and one of the things that I heard, you know, in the offseason was that his issues towards the second half of 2017 were pretty mechanical. A lot of it had to do with his lower half, not even his his arm angle or anything like that or repeating his his upper half, but mostly what he was doing from you know the waist down. Um, and that's a lot easier to control and to correct than it is as far as the shoulder or anything else as far as the arm arm goes. So. I, you know, I kind of we're going to talk about here in a second, wishing I had more shares of a certain, you know, pitcher. And he's maybe one that I maybe should have drafted a little more of. It's still one start, but man, he had a good, good first half last year and he's got the the stuff to do it. Yeah, and it's an encouraging start, too, just because he struggled really badly on the road last year. He had a 517 ERA on the road versus a 241 at home. So for him to get that complete game on the road, that's a good sign. Yeah, he's also only a 23-year-old. So this yeah. was his first complete game of his career. Six strikeouts, three hits, one walk. That would be dominance. Granted, it is against the shorthanded Baltimore offense, but complete game's a complete game there. All right, coming up after the break, we're going to dive into the injury report and waiver wire pickups. Hey everybody, it's me, Joe Pizzapia. Baseball is back, and so is the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2018 edition. This year, I've got Paul Spore doing the starting pitching chapter. I've got Jake Seeley doing outfield profiles. I've got Sammy Reed doing DFS. we got championships waiting for you. Go get it right now, the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2018, available on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle and on iTunes, because once you go Black Book, well, you know the rest. And as we get back into this, the injury report seemed to grow by the day. A couple of those days, it seemed to grow by the hour. Starting off here, Delino DeShields broke his left hammock bone. That had to be where he grips the bat. It was down by the knob when he fouled off a pitch, taking that bone right near his wrist. And he had successful surgery on it today or yesterday, and he's going to be out for four to six weeks. Who on the waiver wire should people be looking out for to replace those also precious stolen bases from DeShields? Well, I think there's a guy uh, that's going to man, you know, part of the outfield for the Diamondbacks that may be a, a valuable add here uh, in, in some leagues. So, you know, Todd, what do you think as far as how much time that uh, we're going to see from J-Rod, J-Rod yeah, Dyson. Dyson? The thing of Dyson is that he should start nearly every day against righties, but uh, we face a lefty in the Colorado series, and then the first three games of the Dodgers series are facing a lefty. So early on, you might be a little scared off by the fact that he's probably not going to get a ton of bats here in the first week. But he's a guy, when you're facing a red, he's going to be in the lineup. He's going to steal bases. He looked extremely fast on opening day watching him in person. Um, so he would probably be your best fill-in. He's only owned in 7% of leagues in ESPN. So 
Uh, draw Dyson's probably your best bet if you need a guy who needs stolen bases to fill in for the shields. But yeah, that's probably Dyson's probably the way to go. And he's also somebody that you don't need him to be in the lineup starting every day to have an effect mm-hmm. on your stats. It's going to get a ton of pinch running in the Arizona lineup, even on days when they're facing lefties, just because some of these guys don't run very well. So he's going to be somebody that you might just plug into an outfield spot, a utility, and just leave him there and watch those stolen bases. Just um, Another guy and- might be uh, Michael A. Taylor out in uh, Washington. He's only owned in 37% of leagues, and a few people have been dropping him as of late, and he's a guy that can, it's got 20-20 potential, definitely a fill-in. And surprisingly, Cameron Maitman's only owned in 7% of leagues, too, uh, according to ESPN, so that's a name to watch. Yeah, that's definitely something, and he hasn't been off to a great start yet, but I that's if you want stolen bases, I mean, he's going to get enough at-bats and opportunities there in the Miami lineup. I mean, he could steal 40 and he's one of only probably 10 guys in baseball that could do that. So that would be the one for, for me to add above Dyson. And then with the with Washington, with Taylor, I really like Taylor. I picked him up late last year when he was kind of on that, that good stretch that he had. Um, his plate skills aren't great, but he can kind of give you enough power and enough speed to be able to contribute in your lineup. But it's I was looking at the Washington bench the other day. What an embarrassment of riches that <laughs> Washington has as far as an offense. Like they have Victor Robles is just hanging out in AAA, getting ready to you know come up and absolutely crush in probably the second half of the season. They have Matt Adams, who I know everybody's not a big Matt Adams fan. He would be a starter, I think, on at least 15 clubs. And that's not underplaying what I think Matt Adams can do. And then you look at a guy way under the radar who already had a home run this year. And uh, Ben, Brian Goodwin, sorry. Uh, even I don't even know who he is, but I know that he is <laughs> he is about ready to contribute. If he gets an opportunity, I was really impressed with what he did in the minors last year. And he's already had a home run in this year. And to have those guys on the bench, either one of those guys, if they were to get an opportunity with Washington in that lineup, I think they could be contributors in fantasy if it had the right amount of bats. All right, on to the next couple injuries. These guys, they happened today. Uh, Ian Kinsler went on the DL today with a left abductor strain. Uh, that doesn't sound good. He's going to be out at least the 10 days. Who for second base should people keep their eye out for on the ad list? Well, man, it's not it's not great. There's not a whole <laughs> lot of guys out there. For second base, we talked about it a lot preseason. I think uh, if somehow Scott Kingery is not owned in your league, he still shows available in a lot of leagues. He'd be somebody I'd be looking at. Jason Kipnis is somebody I'd be looking at. Um, and I'm still, I know it's early and he's probably getting platooned right now, but Jonathan VR would be somebody who I'd want to stash. Maybe not necessarily start. I would definitely want to stash VR. So those are the guys that I'm interested in. Yeah, for me, as Drupal Cabrera is a guy I keep an eye on. He's at about 25% owned. He has second and third interest of eligibility, which is nice. Uh, Neil Walker, I brought him up last week, but he's 7.8% owned on ESPN. He's going to play second and third, and uh, obviously you got to love him in that ballpark. So for me, those are probably my two top guys um, under 25% owned that you can maybe fill in at second base if you are if you have Kinsler. Um, and then just a, a shout-out to Jed Lowry. Um, he's been my one that I've kind of hyped up all preseason. I own Jed Lowry in five of my ten leagues, maybe even six of my ten leagues, um, as like the very last guy rostered. I wrote about him earlier in the week and he's just got kind of the the perfect storm of 
improvements that's gone over. I know he's like 32 or 33 years old, so it's not that wouldn't be like a normal breakout, but he's somebody who I have owned in, in a ton of leagues. Now, looking at shortstop, this one happened today. Carlos Correa just left the game in like the fourth, fifth inning with a left big toe discomfort. Um, that probably won't keep him out for long, but if he is out the 10 days, who in the shortstop rank should people look for? Well, this one kind of concerns me a little bit. I was listening to the broadcast um, on the drive home today when he left the game. I think it was the fourth or fifth inning. And my immediate thought was, oh, it's just they're talking about his toe and some sort of you know, pain or discomfort. And then I started to think about it. And I'm like, if he had to leave the game in the Astros home opener, it had to really have been bothering him. And to really bother him, to me, that means he's headed to the disabled list. I can't imagine that you would leave the game. We don't know what, what the injury is, the extent of it yet, but that just doesn't seem very, very good for his, uh, for his uh, near future, um, I don't know. I, I think guys that I would be, you know, looking to add. Marcus Simeon comes to mind. Um, Cattell Marte. I noticed Nick Ahmed got added in almost every league that I was in. <laughs> and I'm in like ten leagues, so right. <laughs> Um, I, I hope Nick Ahmed does well. I, I need to see a little bit more from Nick Ahmed because I watch a lot of Dynamax games. I think we all do. And as much as I want to like hope that he does well, I still see him swing at that stupid low outside pitch every <laughs> single game. <laughs> And it's just like, dude, just let it go by. Like he just he has a hard time letting certain pitches pass by. So um, he was somebody who got added a bunch of leagues. Um, But yes, shortstop and second base are not not real good looking once you get past for sure. Yeah. uh, Nick Ahmed's actually more owned on ESPN than Cattell Marte, which is outrageous. (laughs) Why? Because um, he's still Marte, Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I love Marcus Semien and a deeper league guy. He's at actually 2% owned on uh, ESPN, Enrique uh, Kiki Hernandez. Uh, he's a guy, three for nine to start the year. Uh, he's not going to play every day, which is kind of frustrating, but he has shortstop and outfield eligibility. So he's a guy who kills lefties, and he's swung the bat pretty well against righties in spring training. So he's a guy I would keep an eye out on. Can I derail the podcast for a second? Uh oh. All right. How long does Colorado stick with Trevor Story if he's striking out 60% of the time? Mm, probably not long. I well, can't believe he's hitting fourth right now. For them. And I know it's the first week of the season. Like It's easy for us to overreact on 16 at-bats for a player. Like I try not to do it on either side of things, but that, that's been who he's been for longer than just this year or even last year. Like That's his game. And they have Brendan Rodgers, who is... Maybe not ready, but we've seen a lot of players make the jump from double A to, to to the big leagues in the last four or five years and really succeed. So I, Brennan Rogers isn't on my immediate like interest list, but it wouldn't shock me. I mean, if you see him struggle for the next two to four weeks, I would really be flagging and watching Brennan Rogers in some leagues because I don't know that they have who else do they even have that can play shortstop for Colorado? I yeah, I, I, I don't know that he has the arm for that. I could, I could be wrong. Anyways, that was just kind of somebody just to kind of keep in mind. I want to start mentioning guys like that to kind of flag and keep on the radar in case something does does happen quickly. You guys can make some ads in your leagues. Yeah, so their backup shortstops, uh, Pat Vileka. He's a guy, he's usually one of their top pinch hitting bats off the bench. But if Story continues to struggle, he may be the guy who is a stopgap. Before Rogers, San Francisco keeps getting bit by the injury bug. Uh, Mark Melanson had some discomfort as he's still recovering from surgery. And Jeff Samarja. 
is out with right pectoral sprain. Who should people be looking for for closers or relievers in holds leagues or even a starter at this point? Well, on the saves landscape, um, I think we all kind of saw in um, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, you know, there were some crazy prices that were put out there for Hunter Strickland this week. Um, Jeremy, I think you posted somebody, there was a $1,000 fab in that league. And they went $402. So 40% on Hunter Strickland. And I know there's not a ton of other options. Yeah. Like, uh, I think Sam Dyson is the other one that's potentially in that role. Um, and maybe somebody else, but I, I'm just not convinced that Bruce Bochy even likes Hunter Strickland. Like I was kind of rostering back and forth last year, um, Strickland and the more I kind of followed everything, Bochy wanted him in that role. So for him to be added in like almost universally over the weekend to me was a little bit too anxious. And I know people are chasing saves. Uh, the one guy that I put in for a bid on that I actually was awarded uh, was Darren O'Day. Um, and I know O'Day is maybe a speculative ad right now, but I got him for percent of what Strickland went for. So O'Day is the one that I'm kind of adding right now to see maybe he gets the next save opportunity there in Baltimore. Yeah, and then for me, the um, I put him for Strickland too in a couple leagues, but it's just Dyson's been so bad, and they do like Watson in eighth inning or using him in other lefty roles, but. Melanson, it's a tricky injury. You know, he may be back sooner than people think, or he could be out a while. It's just a discomfort thing, no ligament damage at the moment. So it's a tough one to kind of diagnose and figure out. But my top one, I, I like O'Day, but also I like Matt Barnes from the Red Sox. Uh, he got a lot of holds last season, and he kind of has a grip on the eighth inning right now with Thornburg out and Kelly out. So uh, Matt Barnes was one of my top pickups this week for um, in leagues that need holds. Um, another one real quick just to throw out there. This is kind of a deep, deep one. Jordan Hicks is somebody who, if you talk to people you know, that follow St. Louis, and Phil could probably give a, a better breakdown of Hicks at this point, but people in St. Louis absolutely rave about this kid. Um, he's going to be pitching kind of later in games. He's definitely not a closer uh, potential right now, but he may be groomed for that position either later in the season or for next year. But he's somebody who has absolute nasty stuff. I've been watching some of his gifts come across Twitter for the last couple of days, and I, I had to pick him up in just one league so I could at least kind of follow him. Um, so I picked him up yesterday for for a dollar in one of our leagues, and um, he's somebody who now has pitched, I think, three three innings already, three different appearances, um, clean each time. So he's got one hit he's given up in three innings, one walk, and I think three strikeouts. So uh, I'm anxious to kind of keep an eye on him the next couple of weeks. Well, and as you brought up the Cardinals, this is another bit of news we didn't really get to touch on. So Greg Holland, they just signed as their closer in the last week, and so he'll be the one closing games. Hicks was kind of in the mix up until they signed Holland, so definitely somebody that's probably going to sit in almost an Archie Bradley-type role this year with Hicks unless they need another starter. And he potentially could be a starter in the future. Um, I think probably Alex Reyes gets the first opportunity when he comes back from injury. They got a, a pretty deep rotation right now, but I could see kind of Reyes being a starter and, and Hicks being, you know, late reliever for not just, you know, the immediate future, but maybe in, in years to come. Now on the Samarja front, late round uh, pitching, starting pitching people should be looking for. I added Clayton Richard in a league this week. And, and how did that go for you? 
<laughs> uh, pretty good. He had a good start this week. Um, he's not, not going to strike a lot of people out, but um, I like his ground ball rate. I like the parks that he pitches in. I drafted him in some deep leagues this year. Um, I think I picked him up in the main league that we're all in together as kind of like some depth. And also, I just kind of I want to see if what he does in the next few starts because definitely be somebody to outperform his ADP by almost double. So he's somebody who I'm interested in super deep leagues. Uh, a guy I like that should be available in most leagues. I think he four percent owned. Brandon McCarthy. He's a guy usually only goes five or six innings per start, but. Only give up two runs since first start, five strikeouts. He usually strikes out, you know, usually around an 8K per nine. So Brandon McCarthy is a guy you can definitely add in most leagues. Also, uh, uh, it feels kind of like a trap. Homer Bailey did throw really well against the Nationals <laughs> in the Reds' ballpark. Feels like a trap, but maybe just something to keep your eye on. Yeah, um, he's, the other one that- he's definitely worth monitoring there in Cincinnati. Um, another Cincinnati starter is... Tyler Molly. He uh, went up against the Cubs today, six innings pitched, one hit, two walks, seven Ks. And he looked good. I watched a little bit of that yeah, start. He did. And he looked really, really good. He's got some good minor league numbers. This isn't something that's kind of come out of nowhere. He's got almost, you know, 160 or 180 innings pitched in the minors of, you know, somewhere around a three ERA. So, this is somebody who I would be shocked if wasn't owned in 35% of leagues this time next week. Just based off that one start, it was that good. Oh, yeah. He's not one that's going to be like a 9-10 a strikeout per 9 kind of guy. He'll sit in the 6-7, to seven, maybe a little 7.5 type range, but... It's steady innings and solid ratios. All right, and the last major... Oh, well, we've got two major ones here. Uh, Aaron Hicks is out with an intercostal muscle strain. Uh, He had issues with his oblique last year, and it... Oh, man. Such promise coming into this year. What should people do to replace him in the outfield? Yeah, obviously, deeper league outfield, um, kind of a tough position to fill in. Matt Kemp is surprisingly only 21% owned, so that's wow. a guy to keep a track. So, you know, most leagues, he's probably going to be gone that you're playing in, but if you're in a shallow league, he could be there. Um, in deeper leagues, though, one name I do like is Gerardo Parra. Um, obviously, playing at Coors Field is always great, and he's only 4% owned, so he's available in a lot of leagues. He started the first three games of the season, including two of which were, were against Robbie Ray and Corbin, who were lefties. So that's really encouraging to see. So Paro's one of my uh, top ads. Also, I know he's, he's probably one of, I think that's who you're going to say, Jeremy, so I'll say him for you. But Go ahead. I, I may sure. not be saying him, so. Jose Perella. I know that's a guy you're pretty high on uh, from the Padres. And he's a guy, started first three games of the year, has a hit in all of them. Uh, batting fourth, too. He's hitting behind Hosmer. So that's something to keep an eye on. The Padres lineup is a lot better than it was last year. So Jose Perella and Parra, they're right next to each other at 4%. Yeah, I uh, actually was not going to bring him up. I was going to bring uh, up the the ever-aging Denard Span, uh, just because he's going to get every day at bats there in Tampa or near every day. Just he'll keep producing as well as Adam Frazier for the Pirates. Um, he doesn't he doesn't get many at bats against lefties, I believe. Yeah, he's right now he's their super utility guy, and it was nice with the Detroit series. He got to start the first two games against righties. Um, if anybody goes down for the Pirates, he's going to be the first guy up. He can play second, third, and outfield. So that's something to keep an eye on. If a Pirate does go down, he's going to be a great add. Uh, he's a hit machine, rakes against righties, really can't hit against lefties, but he also um, offers pretty good speed too. So, but he's mostly he's their super utility, kind of like a Chris. Owings role. Yeah. 
Yeah. Frazier is somebody who I was interested in a lot last year. Um, and, and really, the more I looked into him, the less I was interested, um, to be honest. He, he just, on the outside, if you look statistically, he puts up good stats or he had good production. But the deeper I looked into him, the less I saw of like continued potential. Like, exit velocity wasn't strong and I just didn't like his bat profile. So I did end up picking him up like late in one league, but I think coming into draft season, I was expecting to pick him up in several leagues and I just kind of faded him a little bit just based on what kind of the, the deeper stats showed. But if you're looking at replacements for outfield, there are so many options that are available in, you know, 70 or 80% of leagues, like just looking at 90% availability, there's guys that I'm really high on, like David Dahl. I know maybe the opportunity isn't great there in Colorado, um, but I think Ian Desmond actually... I think he was potential for a DL trip here. Uh, no, but he's back in the lineup today. They're, oh, okay. Them are right. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, okay, so his knee was giving him yeah. some discomfort or something like that. So um, he's somebody who I, you know, stash play for me. But if you're looking at like everyday players right now, Cameron Mabin is somebody who we've already talked about I'm high on. Um, his his teammate, um, Lewis Brinson, is somebody who I'm really high on. Jesse Winker looks like he's going to get regular at-bats as part of like a rotating four-man outfield. Hamilton's been been sitting, um, Shebler's been sitting, and Winker's somebody who I'm, I absolutely want to own if if I can. So there's, there's so many other options. Even a little bit more owned, you have guys... Um, Bradley Zimmer, Mitch Hanniger's off to a a scorching start, so he's available in fifty percent of leagues. So Hammer, uh, Hanniger, Peralta, lots of outfield options. If if for some reason you lost somebody, now the last name is Lucas Duda. Who should people be looking for to fill in at first base? Because uh, this also impacts the rest of that thin lineup. You may even want to think sitting. Mustakis or Wit or whoever else is in that lineup. If you owned him, um, you didn't have a lot invested in him. There's other guys that you could maybe Alonzo's off to a, a decent start already. Um, Ryan McMahon for Colorado, a little bit of an opportunity there. He made the roster, but he's not getting everyday starts. Um, Colin Moran had a home run for Pittsburgh, I think, yesterday. He's getting added in, in, in a decent amount of leagues. Uh, Eric Thames has homered. Um, but for me, it's going to have to be Jose Martinez, picked up in 43% of leagues over the weekend. Jeez. He's now 70% owned. And if you listen to this show, you already own Jose Martinez. Hopefully. Because we've been talking we've been talking <laughs> about him for like six months now. So, yeah, he's, he's the one that if somehow either, what the heck, Josh Bell is available in leagues? Jeez. <laughs> if, if Josh Bell or Jose Martinez are available in your league, Pick stop them what you're doing. Up. Stop listening to the podcast. Press play or press pause. Pick them up and then come back and listen again because that's stupid. Like, that's crazy, man. Or just keep listening and go pick them up. If Josh Bell's available in your league, like, that's fine. In the league. <laughs> that's stupid. All right, coming up after the break, we're going to get into hot trends in opening weekend. <laughs> 
Has your fantasy baseball team ever caught the injury bug and it cost you your shot at winning your league's prizes? If so, look no further than Rotoshurance, the leader in fantasy sports insurance. Their insurance coverage can save you your league's investments with policies as low as $1.50 a season. Be sure to use the promo code FFO in all caps throughout the season to show your support for the show. Just visit rotosurance.com. That's R-O-T-O-S-U-R-A-N-C-E.com. Simply select your sport, your league's entry fees, and choose the players you want to insure. Don't lose your money this season due to unforeseen injury and protect your team at rotosurance.com. All right, we are going to kick off this segment with hot and cold hitters, mostly those that are trending in the right direction uh, to start off opening weekend. So far, we've got Paul DeYoung has somehow just come out scorching this year. What are you guys seeing in his hit profile or what have you noticed? I've noticed that he's trying to make me look really dumb in the first week of the season <laughs> because I think it was last week or the week before we had talked about him. And the one thing I had said was that I didn't think his power was legit. Yep. And so he comes out and he knocks three home runs in his first, what, 15 at bats. So yep. it's it's the first week of the season, um, but he's making me look really dumb right now. I... I, I fielded a bunch of questions from from you know guys on Twitter and stuff like that that are asking me like do I drop you know some of these guys to pick up Paul DeYoung and I don't know are you guys rushing out to to add him in, in places or are you kind of waiting and seeing because I know I don't have him available in any leagues that I'm in because typically we you know have about 400 guys that are owned and he's beyond that yeah. threshold but yeah. um yeah like one of the guys asked me today do I drop Adam Eaton Matt Olson or Scott Kingery for Paul DeYoung. Are you dropping any of those guys for him? Yeah, that's a shallow league. <laughs> yeah, that I Paul? I don't know. I don't think I'd drop. Read off those names again. All right, so the options that, uh, and this is from Nick Fleming um, on Twitter, and he said, do I drop either Adam Eaton, who, by the way, is one of the hottest hitters in baseball right now. I think he has eight or nine hits. Uh, Matt Olson, who was drafted around 124, 130. So I, I can't imagine you would drop him in week one. Or Scott Kingery, who's one of the most added players in baseball for Paul DeYoung. Like, I'm, I think I'm just going to wait and see. What I told him was, if it's that shallow of a league and you have that good of a team, that I'd be looking to make two for one trades like trade you know two of those guys to make an up you know upgrade somewhere and then pick up a yeah. player like de young or somebody that's hot yeah but I, I don't know I, he, I think he's the fourth on that list for me you know he did mention another name uh to me on that team and i believe it was uh cozart he's got zach correct. cozart as well correct and i already are you dropping cozart to pick up de young ah uh, that's yeah, i would that's the only name on that list that I would personally drop in order to pick him up. See, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't think I'm, if I drafted Zach Cozart last week and I didn't Paul DeYoung, I don't know that three home runs and 15 at bats changes my opinion of either one of those players. Um, yeah. Cause they, I don't know. It's tight between the two of them. Um, just based off projection wise, or even last year, they're kind of similar 
Cozart has a higher on-base percentage, but you'll get a few more home runs, uh, a handful more RBI, but you'll sacrifice yeah. some runs. So, I, I mean, if you're getting down to the nitpicky of, ooh, this one will give me three more of this, but three less of that, it's kind of a coin toss. And like you were saying, make some trades, like offer two guys for one in order to upgrade, and then you can pick up the guy on the waiver. And, and this is just like in-season 101. Like if you play in a super shallow league where DeYoung is available or other players, you know, like 50% or better, especially the, in the beginning of the season where you're going to start to see breakouts from guys in the next like, you know, six to eight weeks, you want to have enough roster flexibility that you can add somebody that's getting off to an incredibly hot start to see if that continues. And the only way you can do that in a shallow league like this is find the one or two owners that are super active in that league and start making two for one trades. Like start, you know, trying to get Trout or trying to get Harper or Arenado. And even if you trade some of the depth that you have up some roster flexibility, you can add guys like DeYoung that have hit, you know, three home runs in the first, you know, week of the season and other guys. So that's just kind of in-season management one-on-one right there. Yeah, because especially in shallow leagues, you're going to need the truly elite talent to win your league. You know, it's not like a deeper league. It's more about depth. But if you're in a shallow league where you're, you can add Paul DeYoung and you're cutting dudes like Kingery or Cozart, you, you deem to target the higher level um, elite values. So, yeah, I completely agree with you there. Uh, next up, we've got Justin Smoke. He's been putting up smoke rings up there in Toronto over the weekend. Uh, two home runs. Let's see. Two. Yeah, two home runs, eight RBI, and he's batting 467 so far on the young season. Yeah, I checked my team standings. Uh, looks pretty good. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's available if you guys want to acquire Justin Smoke. We'll talk. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, he's a guy seven for uh, seven for fifteen to start the year, two walks, and you know obviously he's a guy came out of nowhere. He had a joke around sometimes you're not going to see a guy in his age thirty break out like the Brandon Belt joke, but Justin Smoke in his age thirty season last year broke out, and um, obviously you're concerned about that, but he had a great opening weekend, and Smoke might actually be for real, and he's a guy who I faded a lot in drafts, and I kind of wish I. Uh, would have been more aggressive with him because he, he did go pretty late. So. Well, and and then another one that kind of had an age 30 plus breakout was Yonder Alonso. Agreed. Um, Alonso yeah. had a tough second half. Um, I think he just hit his second home run of the season. So another player that uh, maybe went too late in drafts. I think Alonso was being drafted like in the 300s. And so if he does what he did in the first half of last year throughout the full season, he will be the steal of drafts. Another guy that had a big opening day here was Matt Davidson. Went off for three home runs in a rout of Kansas City and has been silent since. I believe he's gone one for seven since. Um, are we believing the hype? He went up 56% in ownage over the weekend. And, and part of that was me. I added Davidson in one of my leagues, and this is kind of a unique situation. So... Um, in a league that we play in, there is a DH slot that has to be rostered by somebody who's DH eligible. Right. And in the beginning of the season, that's like 12 guys. I mean, <laughs> a lot of guys get DH eligibility in season as they get, you know, 10 or so starts or five starts in like right. CBS and Yahoo leagues. Um, I think if you like can spell DH in Yahoo leagues, you're DH eligible, but, um, <laughs> or second base. 
so, yeah. or second, second base, base exactly. Rizzo. <laughs> but I, I picked him up and I spent 16% of my fab on him. Wow. And maybe it's 12%, but I spent a significant amount of my fab on him. And the only reason I did is because I wanted to make sure I got him. And that does, that's yeah. not like a, a vote of confidence for him. Cause I, I don't really believe in him that much, but I had to get him And this early in the season. I have so much fab to play with. And as the season goes on, your fab spend gets less and less. By June, there's not going to be very many breakout players. You know, you're going to get some some minor league guys that come up, but for the majority, by the time June rolls around, we know who each player is going to be pretty much in season. And so I'm going to be aggressive in my fab early on in the year. Sent on a guy who had three home runs in the first two games of the season. I'm going to do that because I want to be around if this three home runs turns into 30 home runs like it did for some players last year. Justin Smoke. I believe I picked him up off the waivers in June and he had almost 20 home runs at that point. Yeah, so, so I'm just going to be a little more aggressive out in front and just to, to see if maybe, because we don't even have enough batted ball data right now to judge whether or not there's been an actual impactful change in his swing or in his approach. But early on, I mean, if he's a potential 30 home run guy, I want to own him now. Yeah, I just looked in the DH and there it's it's a wasteland uh, as of right now for those that are eligible that are available. It's not good. And we're in a 10 man league. So, yeah, be be aggressive if you have that uh, DH slot. And if he's still available, it'll at least be somebody on your bench or in your in your lineup there. Yeah, and the thing of Davidson, you know, only in 118 games last year, he hit 26 homers. So the power is there, and hopefully that he can improve on the averages and on base a little bit more this season. And But I, he totally can be a 30-home run guy. And obviously, like we've been saying, DH is a pretty brutal position, especially early on in the season. So Davidson, definitely the guy to add if you're in one of those leagues. Now, if you missed out on Davidson, looking at ESPN here, a guy who's owned in 42% of leagues is Hanley Ramirez. He is also... Off to a really decent start here. Batting 250, just went yard, couple RBI, and a stolen base. So he's already got two on the year. 30-30. He <laughs> said he wanted to go 30-30 this year. And you got to love all the concern before the year. Is he going to have playing time? And he started in four of the first five games. So for me, that's really encouraging. He's always going to hit fourth or fifth in that lineup when he's on the field. So... I mean, if he's going to play, he's going to have a lot of value at the DH spot. And he is playing some first base, too, so hopefully he regains first base eligibility. Yeah, seeing steals from him in back-to-back games is a really encouraging sign. You don't need 15 home runs or 15 stolen bases from Hanley Ramirez. I mean, if you get 15 steals from Hanley, you're going to get 20 home runs. And that's gonna that's gonna be incredible value. He hits I think third or fourth in that lineup, like you were saying, Todd. Yeah. Um, it should be a much improved lineup. There's several guys that underperformed last year. Mookie Betts underperformed. They have the additional bat in JD Martinez. Xander Bogarts underperformed. Devers should take an additional step forward. I mean, there's so much to like about that Boston lineup that, you know, it's it's hard not to take a flyer on Hanley Ramirez right now. Well, and since you mentioned it, I'm only putting this out there just to say that we mentioned he's off to a hot start this year. We can go into depth next week when we get a full staff, but Xander Bogarts is doing really well this year. Kind of hot. I don't want to elaborate on it too much, but it's been a good year for him so far. He's went yard, and it does seem like he's being more aggressive. So leave that there. We'll put a pin in it and come back to it next week if he 
he's still up to a hot start. All right. Taking every ounce of my energy not to be triggered right now by, <laughs> by the Bogarts talk. But we'll we'll come back with some more. Yeah, definitely some more information as we get it. Yeah. Coming up after the break, we're gonna get into our trade targets and some regrettable shares that we wish we would have had more. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so goddamn comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t-shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just, it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, kid, I've seen you have been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. I- CBS guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God. Is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. Coming back, we've got trade targets. Who are you guys targeting this year after opening weekend? I already talked about him a little bit. Jose Martinez is somebody who I feel like I've been talking about for you know six months or, or longer. I think the beginning of my kind of research and stuff started in like the first week of December. So a lot of comparisons for me between a guy like Jose Martinez and Andrew Benatendi as far as what their swings, tendencies, and skills are. And I think six months ago when I drew that comparison, people were like, you know, calling me a fool. And in about <sighs> six weeks, that's going to, that talk's probably going to stop. So, um, and even people who follow the Cardinals really closely didn't think that they he'd get the at-bats. It only took, I think, one or two starts into the season, and he was named the everyday first baseman. It was one. Which, it was one. Yeah. His opening night against Noah Syndergaard when he took him yard, and it was the next day that they named him, like, the everyday first baseman. Yeah, so, I mean, and he's somebody who got picked up in almost every single league this weekend. I, I talked about him so much. Um, I believe in Jose Martinez. But when I was looking at my shares, I didn't end up with as many shares as him as I, I thought I should have. And not all my leagues are redraft. They're, you know, some of them are auction, some of them are keeper and stuff like that. So I didn't have the opportunity to draft him. But apparently there was a lot of people that liked him more than I did because it seemed like I got snaked on him several times. I wish I would have been more aggressive with Jose Martinez this year. Todd, who do you have? Um, one of my top guys is Elvis Andrews. He's definitely in a tier below the top elite shortstops, but he swung the bat really well in the opening weekend against the Houston Astros, which any pitcher you face against them, it's it's a tough challenge. Uh, 7 for 13, and he hit a home run, showed a little pop, uh, hit a double or two. So he's a guy I've been targeting in uh, leagues that need middle infield help. Uh, he might be able to produce semi-elite uh, shortstop stats as a guy who steals bases, and if he improves in the slugging department, he could join the elite group that shortstop. Yeah, if he's able to repeat what he put up last year in the power number, He's going to be elite. Uh, most people yeah. aren't aren't looking at him to repeat that, so you may be able to buy low on him, or at least buy down a little bit on him. Yeah. Um, Pitching-wise, who are you guys looking at to add? 
Uh, Morton for me is another guy who I already have like five shares of. So I own Morton in 50% of the leagues that I'm in, which is a crazy amount. I mean, if he was to get injured, I'd be, I'd be crying on Twitter. You guys would all <laughs> hear about it. I was listening to his game. He faced off against the Orioles tonight for his first start of the season. And I was listening to the broadcast for, for Houston. And he had, I think two guys on base or three guys on base in the second inning and kind of pitched out of a jam. And I'm thinking, I'm like, man, if he sucks this year, this is going to be really bad. But he pitched really <laughs> Really good. He had 17 swinging strikes, which I think matches a career high for him. For comparison's sake, I think Otani had like 12 or 14 swinging strikes in his start, and he was like, you know, unbelievable, like Todd said. And other, like, I think uh, Syndergaard had less than that. I think Strasburg had less than that. So if you look at his last two games that he's pitched in, being the World Series Game 7 and then tonight— I mean, he needs to be owned in every single one of your leagues, and I think he's still available. So um, he was somebody who I targeted super late, and I wish I would have just taken him in every spot possible because I think he's going to have a great year. For me, uh, trade-wise, I like sending offers after when a starting pitcher has a really bad opening start. Um, maybe you might get a scared owner or two. Uh, Carrasco, Ray, and Darvish all give up five or more runs in the first start and look shaky, especially Ray and Darvish. So, um, you know, sending offers on starting pitchers that look really bad in the first start, that's something I uh, try to do, and I think all three of those guys are going to be fine. So buying low, hopefully, on one of those, that's a strategy that I like to look at. Yeah, I, like, I definitely like that. I, and Paxton yeah. was another one who I yeah. am really high on, like, you know, <laughs> kind of freakishly high and, and unsafe, but – he had a rough start and as disappointing as that was it like you're saying Todd it gave me an opportunity to send out like five offers and so um, they all came back declined so apparently they're the owners are not you know panicking on Paxton as <laughs> as they should be but um, it, it, I agree with that strategy wholeheartedly if somebody's gonna panic after one start from a pitcher who we know has the stuff like you know like Ray or or like Carrasco or or Paxton definitely kind of pounce on that opportunity yeah now Keith you you have quite a few shares of Rich Hill, don't you? I have way too many shares of Rich Hill. And and real honestly, when I was doing my my rankings and kind of my pre-rank formula was based off of a lot of things. So I went back and looked at 18 months of stats for for each of the hitters. Um, and I factored in just a lot of different categories before I kind of looked at the the pitchers with my own eye and said, I want these guys down or up. And Rich Hill was so high up on my ranks before I even got a hold of him that even me, who's super high on Rich Hill, had to I had to bring him back you down. You had to bump because him down. <laughs> I had to bump him down, and I couldn't imagine why me. I, I thought I would have been forcing him towards the top, but he came out so good in my projections that I had to actually ratchet him down, which was really weird to me. Uh, but yeah, he's like a 20 starting pitcher for me, and I don't think on anybody else's board they're that high. All right. Well, are there any other targets that you guys are wishing you had more shares of? I have one more, um, and we just talked about him either last week or the week before. Freddie Freeman's off to a, a pretty good start himself. I think he's already his already got a home run, which is no shocker. But he's we, his walk rate's like forty four percent, his strikeout rate's like six percent. Um, so he's getting on base at like a crazy clip. We saw this from him last year, and it's a super small sample size to begin the year. But I think Freddie Freeman has a legitimate shot at being the NL MVP this year. 
I think he's got just as good of a shot as I think Trout and Goldschmidt and some of the other guys that are the elites. I think he's in that group right now. I don't think he's he's there's any separation in my opinion. Yeah, and, um, I completely agree. Uh, thanks to Keith, I have a lot of shares of Freddie Freeman this year. Just even talking about the time, and I'm very happy about that. So thank you. But um, two guys a little higher in drafts that I wish I would have pounced on some uh, speed combo guys. D Gordon looks great at the Mariners. Seems to be fitting in and outfield perfectly fine. Um, got a hit in every game so far. Even hit a homer last game. And then Lorenzo Cain, uh, just he had a home run today. That Brewers lineup is phenomenal. Uh, he's right on top of it. I, Lorenzo Cain and D Gordon, those are guys I wish I had more shares of, especially at the price that, that they were at on draft day. Yeah, shout out to my uh, invitational team with Freeman and uh, and D Gordon there. Um, <laughs> that was like back to back picks there for me. So I was. I think second and third round. So I definitely want actually Harper too. Harper's got off to a, a good start. So my first three picks in the Invitational are off to, to pretty pretty hot start. So hopefully they continue that. Nice. Well, that'll wrap up this week's episode. Guys, where can the people find you? All right. So you can find me at fantasy underscore Keith. Uh, by the time this posts, I should have an article posted on um, predicting breakouts and what statistics and other things you guys can look at to try and get an advantage against your league mates in the first like six or eight weeks of the season. So look out for that to be posted on Fantrax in, in a few days. And you can find me at Goldie Havens. And this weekend I'm looking to post an article on the Fantasy Front Office. So just stay tuned on that. Sweet. You can find Phil at the Baseball Jedi, myself, Jeremy, at Front Office Jer. Follow the podcast at Fan Front Office. And of course, you can find all of our writing at our home on the web fanfrontofficepodcast.com and until next week go enjoy some baseball cause it's back